We've all seen the incredible horse and rider combinations as the backbone of our sport. But what about everything else that makes the equestrian world tick? From the everyday grind to the world-class professional, join the Equestrian Podcast as we talk about every equestrian discipline in a way that hasn't been done before. Now here's your host, rider, trainer, and influencer behind my equestrian style, Bethany Lee. Hey friends, welcome back to the Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Lee, and this is episode 143. Our guest today is not only a talented trainer out of Southern California, he also has a ton of experience judging top hunter jumper shows all over the country. So I thought it'd be fun to have him on today to talk a little bit about how he got to where he is today as a trainer, but also a judge, how he became a judge and all the steps and and different experiences you need to become a judge and get your large R. And then what he looks for in the show ring, especially the equitation and hunter rings in order to get that top score. So without further ado, I would love to welcome our guest today, Archie Cox. I would love to hear about how you first found yourself in the equestrian world. Well, I found myself as a youngster, sort of deep in the equestrian world. My grandmother, Mrs. Archibald Cox or Mrs. Phyllis Cox, was an avid horsewoman in Massachusetts and also in Maine. And she was very influential in the Morgan horse world and the saddle horse world. Very big in 4-H, big in huge, uh, very dedicated to the horse and to children learning. And I think that's where I first was experienced or exposed to horses, Mm -hmm. learning, learning about their care. And that was, that would happen when we went away either for the summer to see my grandparents or at holidays, that exposure came. Cool. Uh, And where I lived on Long Island in Locust Valley, I was really surrounded by horses um, or horse people. I lived across the street from Susie Humes, Hmm. who was still a very active horsewoman. I lived down the street from Bunny French. Wow. And Bunny and her sister and her mom had some of the most famous horses in the country at the time, both Rodney Jenkins and Victor Hugo Vidal. Hmm. And I say I lived up the street from avid horsewoman Tracy Topping, who is still involved in the jumper in the amateur world with horses. So I was right in the center of it all, whether it be on holidays with family or just at home. Love it. Then at what point... Did you start, you know, like riding, you know, you were more involved with your riding and you were like, oh man, like I really like this and I want this to be a big part of my life. You know, I guess that would probably be when I was in about sixth or seventh grade in school. My mom, we had a station wagon and we got our first horse. So you get your first horse and it happens to be that the barn where you buy the horse also sells horse trailers. Mm. So we got the horse, got the two horse trailer, hooked it up to the station wagon, drove the horse home and started with some pony club. Nice. And pony club is a lot of fun, but like any little 10 year old boy, all I wanted to do was jump. Yeah. It was great to have the, I call it the blue book, the manual, the Bible of riding and horsemanship. But the hunter paces were fun. Learning was good, but I wanted to jump. So Mrs. French, 
who was Bunny's mom, was sort of instrumental in telling my mother, but kind of teaching her the ropes of horse shows and what was out there, exposure uh, with the AHRC horse show with Southampton. They were huge, huge parts of shaping my equestrian career. And through Bunny French's mom, Freddie French, we had exposure to the top of the sport. And at that point, my mother, who was very avid, uh, an avid horse show mom, I'll call her, we started going to local shows, going to a show on Friday, going to a show on Saturday. At that point, the National Horse Show was at Madison Square Garden. So Mm -hmm. that's everyone's dream is to ride at Madison Square Garden. Totally. How do you qualify? You do the equitation. You keep winning the medals and the McClays. And at that time, you had to win four medals and four plays. This was before the po- and it points mattered. It really, you had to win. And one thing evolved into another. And after a lot of horse shows, I got to go to the garden. And then it just, the path just kind of kept going. Love it. Were you, uh, what kind of brought you out to the West Coast? Or did that happen much later? So I was, I went to uh, high school on Long Island and then I continued and I went to Drew University in Madison, New Jersey. And at that point I was braiding a lot in the winter. It was such an easy way to make money. Mm -hmm. And I stopped, I kept sort of my foot in the door riding some. And then there was a period I moved to London and did a semester there and I stopped riding. And I didn't ride horses for about eight or nine months at all. Hmm. I came home and someone said, oh, why don't you come out to the barn? And I went back out to the barn that day and never left. I've been there probably every day since then. Yeah. And while I was in college, I worked for, gave some lessons uh, for John Ellington and also for Emil Spadone. And then I continued working for Emil for about nine months after college. And I thought, well, this is good. But I had always heard of California. I'd never been there. And I wrote, I remember typing up six or seven letters and a resume and sending them to different people in California asking for a job. Some of the people I knew, some I didn't know, some I'd only heard of. Well, I had known Karen Healy from New Jersey from when she had been originally an East Coast trainer. And the timing worked out and I flew out and went to one horse show with her, sort of as a job interview for a week. And that went really well. And let's see, Memorial Day of 92 I left Devon, packed up my clothes, and I got in the car, and I drove across the country to work for Karen. And I did that for eight and a half years before opening my own business in uh, 2001. What was that transition like for you when you were working for Karen to then doing, doing things on your own? Well, working for Karen was amazing. It's funny, I... I rem- I so clearly remember when I first came, I said, oh, I'd like to stay two or three years 
and then eventually get experience and open my own business. Yeah. Well, in May of, I guess May of 2000, I gave my notice. I said, Karen, and we had a great business then. I said, at the end of the year, I think I'm going to go out on my own. So I gave her sort of plenty of notice. <laughs> I, I said, it's now or never. And she fully supported it. So December 1st of 2000, I opened the doors and it's been full speed ahead since then. Wow. Love it. Were you, are you from that point until now, have you been at multiple locations or have you kind of been around the same spot? What does that kind of look like for you? I have been at the same facility. I have moved barns on the property, but I have okay. always been in, I take ride great pride in saying I've been at Middle Ranch for 20 years. Wow. And I think that that's something 20 years seems to be a pretty good landmark or at, it's coming up on 21. It, it's a pretty good landmark of consistency of turning out a solid product. Carlos Soriano, my barn manager, he's been with me since day one. There, there's quite a lot to be said for consistency, for loyalty. We're both very dedicated to the barn, to the horses and to the customers. Definitely. Here's a quick word from our sponsor, Double D Trailers. Founded in 1997, Double D Trailers has been changing the horse trailer industry one customer at a time through the use of safe materials, technologies, and innovation. The experts at Double D Trailers prioritize both horse and human safety through their patented features, such as their Safe Bump roof system, Safe Kick wall system, as well as the company's exclusive Safe Tack and Safe Tack reverse design. Customers rave about the functionality of Double D trailers and find that their problem loader horse now loads with ease thanks to the customizations available from Double D. Why settle for any old average trailer off the dealer lot when you can customize your dream trailer to fit both you and your horse's needs? Learn more at DoubleDTrailers.com. That's D-O-U-B-L-E-D Trailers.com. Or find them on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Double D Horse Trailers. Thank you so much, Double D Horse Trailers. All right, let's get back to the episode. You do a lot of work, both with training and riding, but also with judging on both coasts. What are some differences you see between the riding or just the equestrian community? You know, the equestrian community, east to west, north to south, I would say as a whole, it's pretty much the same. It's people with a love of horses looking to enjoy their time with the horses, with their family. For sure, certain, certain things, there might be certain trends in some areas. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, the rider on top, the horse on the bottom, one hand and one leg on either side of the horse. And you're, you're going to find some success that way. Yeah. But to say, I don't necessarily, there isn't any one thing that is much different or noticeable I've been judged in the Midwest. I guess you'd say all around the country. Yeah. Well, and we all, we all do it around the love of the horse and the yeah. sport. 
That's true. That's good to hear. What would you say is an area of the equestrian industry that you are passionate about that you feel like the rest of the equestrian community either just doesn't know a lot about or doesn't talk that much about? I'm quite passionate about judging and educating, whether it be my assistants or other young professionals about how to become a judge. It's a, it can be a daunting process, but with help, it can also be quite an easy process for a qualified person. What, does, something- what does that process look like? Kind of give me a rundown for someone who doesn't know how someone becomes a judge, what, that look, what would that would look like? So what that looks like is there, there are two avenues you can pursue to become a judge. First is you, you could be in the mentor program. And there's a list of about 25 to 30 judges that have agreed to be, that are qualified, have agreed to be mentors to younger up-and-coming judges. And if you choose your mentor, I can actually use Carly Postel that worked for me. She had expressed interest in becoming a judge. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, let's really map it out and look at what makes the most sense Look at the list of mentors. See who judges a lot. You need, if you're going to go through the mentor program, you need someone that judges a lot. So you have options of when you can get away mm-hmm. and hope that they're judging. Because you know, making schedules work is something that can often be tricky. Uh, so Carly applied. Uh, through the Federation, through the licensed officials department. She applied to mentor with Scott Williamson. He accepted her as a, to be her mentor. They send in the appropriate paperwork. And what she has to do is judge two USEF shows, two A shows with confirmation, a certain number of medal classes, and then it's recommended that you judge one or two other shows with someone other than your mentor. Mm. And then you are able to apply for your, what's called the small R, which is essentially the non-rated classes. So you can judge at smaller horse shows. You can judge the lower rings at bigger horse shows. Uh, and then to get your large R, you have to judge a number of shows with your mentor again the fall, within a three-year period. Carly and I mapped it out, and she went ahead and I think judged three more shows the following year with the mentor, and three shows with other judges, and was able to get her large art. So she did all that within a two-year period, hmm. start to finish. Now, that is unique. Because that really takes a lot of planning. It takes looking at the system, looking at where your mentor judges. And it also takes an employer that's willing to give you that much time off. Right. I mean, yeah, I it's, it, it's hard to take that much time off in, in the industry that we're in. I look at it as uh, I was investing in her as we're investing in our sport. Mm-hmm. And the overall, we need more judges, more qualified people. So I, I was completely comfortable 
and we made it work, staying at friends' houses, staying where it costs a little bit less money because the system of flying places, getting rental cars, staying mm -hmm. in hotels, all of that can get expensive. But if you really look at it and you say, well, if I go to Florida, I can stay with a friend. If I go to New York, mm -hmm. hopefully I can stay with a friend um, that's never involved in the horse show. So Carly was able to do that. And I think in her getting her a small hour, I think she stayed at a hotel two nights. So that was something that, again, her situation is unique, but she was a very qualified applicant and is now a super judge. The other, what I call the, the regular system to becoming a judge is you apply to licensed officials, you state your experience, you state any officiating history you've had, at schooling shows, county shows, unrecognized shows. Your experience as a horseman, how you've participated, what you've done in the past couple of years. You know, basically your resume of why you are qualified. Then once you are accepted, you go to a judge's clinic, and Carly had to do the same. Go to the judge's clinic, and then you start, you reach out to other judges and ask if you can uh, sit with them, whether call it shadow judge, apprentice judge, learner judge. And then you have to judge, again, a certain number of horse shows is recommended for the uh, number of different judges. They evaluate you. And once you fill the requirements, the number of days you need to be judging, then you can apply for your small R. And again, go through the same thing to get your larger. Again, navigating the system can be daunting. The girls at the USCF are really helpful. You log on to the homepage of the website and it's like, how do I find it? Mm -hmm. uh, the girls at the Federation are super, the ladies. They're, they're there to help you and they're a great resource. Um, but I encourage everyone that works with me, whether to become a steward, get your jumper card, your hunter in equitation. It makes you a better exhibitor. It makes you a better trainer and become more understanding of what it looks like from the judge's box versus the in-game. How long have you had your large R? I have, I have been a judge since 2003. I've had my large R since 2008. I've had my steward's license, I think since 2003, and my large R for stewarding just since January of 2020. Nice. And again, being a steward, being a judge, you know the rules, you understand the rules. If you would like to have any influence over the rules, you have to be part of the system. Got I'm it. I'm a big believer in that. Yeah. Do you have a favorite class to judge? Uh, a favorite class to judge. I like judging the equitation classes. Uh, I like mm -hmm. favorite, no, I, any class with 
horses that are willing. I love seeing whether it's a short stirrup class, a hunter class, an equitation class. I like watching how the horses try so hard to help the riders. Mm -hmm. And you really see the value of ponies and I would say beginner horses. And just that horses are so generous by nature. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Let's talk equitation. As far as Mm -hmm. judging, what are some things that you really are looking for in a top equitation round? Uh, Confidence. Right off the bat, it's confidence from when you walk in the ring, get right to work, show me what you're going to do, do it with confidence, purpose. Confidence comes from position. It comes from eye level. It comes from cleanliness. It comes from the turnout of the horse and the rider. All of those things make a difference in how the rider is thought of when they come in the ring to get to work. Do you have certain things that are just like totally pet peeves or things you're like, you definitely like will mark down if you see? Oh, if someone trots in the ring and they trot past me and the boots are dirty, I will write down. I I always say being clean costs nothing. It's free. Mm Mm-hmm. It's free. What it does take is it takes a little bit of time. Yep. That's it. But otherwise, it's easy, it's free, and it's it's something that is available to everyone. That's true. Yeah, that's a good point. And then as far as our hunter rings, let's say someone listening who is looking to just get a couple more points up in their, you know, overall rounds. What are some things you look for in the hunter rounds that you judge? I'd go forward to the first fence. Go with pace. Go with pace. Show me what you can do. Mm -hmm. I always hear mixed responses when I ask different you know, trainers or judges about the idea of posting the trot or sitting the trot in a handy hunter round. What do you have a preference? Whatever is going to produce the best trot jump. Yeah. Love that it. doesn't, those, those are, that is really minor in the overall scheme. Mm-hmm. That's that's sort of almost irrelevant. Yeah. And for producing a good solid round, that's irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, and it definitely it's definitely it seems like it's something that very obviously varies horse to horse with what you know, like what you were saying, what produces a better trot jump. Yeah. And you really should be trotting very little. Trot close to the trot jump, pop over it. Mm-hmm. If I'm watching whether you're posting or sitting. You've been trotting for too long. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, love it. Um, What are some pieces of advice that you could give to someone listening just for overall tips, tricks, advice for going into the ring with confidence? Oh, gosh. Go into the ring and go in like you're having fun. (laughs) Imagine that, right? (laughs) You go in and you be serious, but remember... 
your horse doesn't know if today's important or tomorrow's important, but go in, go in and have a pleasurable experience. If you're confident and relaxed and sort of game on, the horse will be too. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Love that. Well, Archie, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the podcast. You have been a wealth of knowledge and I really appreciate it. And I wish you all the best. Sure. And I will say this, I am, I'll put it out there because I enjoy it. I am happy to help anyone that needs understanding, navigating USCF website and becoming a judge. Amazing. Love that. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. Happy to help. All right. That is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute and write a review on iTunes. I would so appreciate it. It helps people like you find the podcast and it helps me get some killer guests. Thank you so much. And I will talk to you next week.